I'm so excited to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, Pros. Pros is the custom beauty brand that is all over your feed. I had been wanting to try them for so long. And when I tell you guys that I put on my Instagram story that they were going to be sponsoring the podcast, I got so many genuine organic responses from my following of people being like, oh my God, I love Pros. I've been using it for years. So don't even just take it from me, but take it from the genuine people that reached out agreeing with me about how much they love Pros. And when Pros says custom, they actually mean it. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. One of the coolest parts of the questionnaire that I thought was they literally asked me about my location and my zip code so that they could understand how hard the water is here, what the UV index is like, if it's cold, if it's dry, and all of that goes into these truly personalized products. Pros even did a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, and Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. So try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering the Artie Friends listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros, P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Artie Friends. That's pros.com slash Artie Friends for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash Artie Friends. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Already Friends. This is Kara. And this is Allison. Today we are going to be joined by guest Jordan Granger. I connected with her on TikTok over us both sharing a lot about our sober curious journey. We'll introduce her later, but first we're going to catch up about our Thanksgiving Black Friday weeks, give you guys a little shout of something that we were super excited about, do our peaks, and then we'll get into it. Yes. How was your Thanksgiving? What were you up to this past weekend? It was good. It was kind of funny because as a retail owner, I had to be open for Black Friday and Small Business Saturday. So I kind of celebrated my Thanksgiving like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Me and my dad road trip down to Kansas to his hometown and I got to see his parents and like his side of the family who I haven't seen in like years. It's been so long. So it was really great to see everyone and some of my, I don't even know how you, it's called your God family. Like, do you know what that is? Yeah. When you're born, you get like a godmother and a godfather. Yeah. Yeah. Like if something were to happen to my parents, like, they kind of said that they would become guardians. So my godfather 
and my dad were <laughs> high school, like childhood best friends. And their family happened to be back in town that week too because they have three kids there. Shout out Callie. She listens. Um, she's a year younger than me. Chance is my age. And then Brooklyn's a year older. So I also got to see them, which was just like so fun. And hopefully I can connect more with them in the future. It's just that, you know, when you see like long-term or family and friends that you've gone such a long time and you're like, why do we do this? Why do we wait so long to see each other? It's so bad. Oh, it's so sad. I know. So that was great to see them. And then Black Friday and Small Business Saturday, it's just, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And I saw this post on Instagram talking about how, you know, Black Friday promotes like overconsumption and like this urgency. And there's a stat that 80% of businesses actually just mark up their prices to make it look like they're, you know, on sale. Then they're actually just the same price. Mm -hmm. And I was just like thinking about how much like I don't really love Black Friday. But then I saw a different post that said for more expensive brands, it gives people who don't normally have the money for that to be able to afford some of those, like especially more expensive eco brands or things like that. So I have mixed feelings, but it was fine. Just you don't really make a lot because of the sales, you know, like you have to mark things down to try to compete. And then it's like all this effort and people definitely expect a sale. Like you can't be open on Black Friday and be like, oh yeah, everything's actually just the same price. I saw a TikTok about that and I was like, oh my God, this is brutal. Someone was like, what is this, 20% off? I'm like, oh my gosh, people. Like they were saying that's not enough? Yes. Like it's Black Friday. I want to see I want to see you go all out. I'm just like, oh my God. Well, with the cost of inflation, like I was talking to other retail owners about it and truly I didn't notice it that much. Like I had kind of felt it creeping over the last few months, but all of a sudden like this weekend, it was like, oh yeah, I can just feel the margin difference yes. and like the impact and being like, we literally cannot go lower than this. Like we're giving to this to you at cost. I don't know what more you want. No, that's insane. I think people need to get back to realizing that the small businesses, like that's what Small Business Saturday was for, was because they couldn't compete with all these buy two, get eight free, like that the yeah. big box stores were doing. I think people have kind of forgotten how much of a toll the small businesses are already taking just to be open 364 mm -hmm. days of the year. Literally. I know. And like shipping costs right now. <gasps> and I had two packages this last month. The return label just got sent back to me off the box. Like contents of the package, MIA. So I have to not only refund the customer for a one-of-a-kind item, then also lost the money on that, lost the money on shipping. And, you know, I know the post office is like very overworked and understaffed right now. So like, I don't blame them. I blame society at large. Like did someone steal it and then just drop it back off at your house? Or like what happened? I don't know. It was so weird. It was like a clear plastic, like little envelope. And it like had the return label just inside. Oh, so they put the return label in, in my mailbox. Oh my like, God. oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm like, did you? Did someone steal the box? Did the contents fall out? Like what, what is happening? What is happening? I don't know. That's awful. So I have to investigate. And someone, a brand had sent me a box of stuff from Australia. And then I like followed up with her and I was like, hey, like, I don't want to pry. Like, did you actually send that? If not, it's okay. And she was like, oh no, I did. And it just says it's missing. Oh my God. And it sucks for small businesses. Cause then when you have to replace that, it's just like, okay, well, it's like, there goes 
I don't know, more money. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so while we have a few weeks left before, you know, Christmas is over, love on your small businesses right now. <laughs> yes. They need it. <laughs> yeah, they need all the help they can get. Just the grace, the kindness that you can give. Yes, yes. How about you? How was your Thanksgiving Black Friday week? It was really good. I didn't do too much Black Friday shopping. I bought a couch. I'm not going to say which couch I bought. So <gasps> You're not going to tell us? <laughs> You're going to leave us hanging even longer? No, so you have to stay tuned. I want it in my living room until I can say who or where or what. But that happened. So I guess I didn't shop really with anything else. I did go to the thrift store. If you follow me on TikTok, you saw I did a little thrift haul. All of those clothes were like $12. So that $12 purchase and then this like $3,000 purchase was enough for me. Which It's all balanced. It's all balanced. And I did a firm, which is lovely. You can do 0% financing for three months, six months, a year. So that was really nice. So that is great. Yeah. So not fully $3,000 right on my pocket, but I can break it up a little bit. But no, otherwise, not related to shopping, hung out with my family and Connor's family. We did like a little joint Thanksgiving because my parents recently moved to Birmingham. Like they just moved into their house probably last week. And if you don't know, my younger brother plays college baseball and my parents sold their house a couple years ago. They've just been following like where my brother's playing baseball and he got transferred. He was playing in South Carolina. So he lived in Greenville last year and now he got transferred to yeah, a school in Birmingham, Alabama, which have I said that on the podcast before? I don't think so. Okay. Because I was going to say a famous alum of the college he goes to is Hannah G from The Bachelor. She went to, it's called University of Montevallo in Montevallo, Alabama, which is like 25 minutes outside of Birmingham. So yeah, so my parents are living there now. I'm excited to see their house. I'll get to go for Christmas. But yeah, so since they just moved into there and I don't know, my family gets along with Connor's family so well. We His family invited my family to come to their house and just do like a whole big joint Thanksgiving. And that was just so much fun. Two things. One, Connor has a lot of younger nephews and he has five nephews all under five. And it's just so funny how well like my older brother, Brady, my younger brother, Riley, and then like Julian McKenna's fiance get along with the nephews and they play with them. And it's just so funny. Never would I ever have thought like that they would be entertaining all the three-year-olds like running around. I don't know. It's just so funny. And we would come in like every single day and the the five-year-old would be like, where's Brady? Where's Brady at? Like my older brother, Brady, because they just like loved Brady. And Brady got invited to the birthday party, one of the nephew's birthday parties this month. They literally went up to Brady and like, we come to my birthday party. <laughs> did you get an invite? I did. I did oh, get an good. invite. Me and Connor are like, like by default, always invited to the stuff. But I'm like, wow, they like loved my siblings so much that they were like inviting them to their stuff. So that was really cute. But yeah, it was just a very chill weekend. Lots of good food, good company. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we kind of went out to eat a lot this weekend too. We went out on Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday brunch because there was like other families in town, like Clay had family in town, whatever. And kind of on the inflation note, it was so weird. The three restaurants we went to all normally have like hour-long waits and we walked in and got a table and there was like tables empty. So that was like another one of the reasons that I met. Like I'm starting to see people slowing down on their spending more Mm -hmm. than usual. Super interesting. So I I feel like everyone just kind of like played it low key this week. Yeah, we definitely, we ate in a lot. Also, it's Connor's family lives like kind of outside of St. Louis. So there's not that much going on in the small town, but no, that's very interesting. We always do a tradition on Christmas Eve where we go out to eat at like a breakfast dinery place and then we buy someone's meal. So let's get Kirkpatrick tradition. How do you guys go about choosing who it is? (laughs) We're like, who looks like they need some happiness? Like sometimes it's like a lonely man 
eating by myself. I'm like, oh my God, don't go out to eat on Christmas Eve if you get sappy easily because it's depressing. There's some sad, like, I'm like, oh my God, this man's eating by himself or like a single mom and their daughter. I'm like, oh my gosh. So it's always very moving. It's a good tradition. If you need a new tradition with your family, it's very moving. That's the morning after Christmas? No, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Why am I crying? I'm literally crying. Are you crying? (laughs) Yeah, it's sad. I know. It's because we always go to like Denny's or like IHOP. That's all that's open. This is definitely, I wasn't going to, if we're being sappy. Um, (laughs) While I was back, like talking to my grandparents, they, my grandma had lost two of her siblings like in the last year. And we also had to go to a funeral while we were back for a family friend. And so, yeah, I'm with you. It's just, it's a heavy time and Mm -hmm. you notice the loss of people a lot more. We did talk about that on last week's episode about, or what would your bestie do? Tips for the holidays. It is a heavy time and you can feel it. Like it's really tough for some people. So sending our love to anyone who's really struggling this holiday season. I feel for you. It can be such a happy time, but also a really sad time. It can be your first time without a loved one or, you know, it never gets easier. So yeah, we're sending you all that love. Yes. And we also want to send our thanks to you guys because the day that we're recording this is the Spotify wrapped day. And we were also writing the outlines for these two episodes today. And I feel like we were, maybe we're just in our feels today. <laughs> yeah. The holiday season, holiday season is really getting the best of us. But seeing our podcast on your guys' top five is just like so cool. We just kept sending things to each other and we're like, how is this already happening? It's only been two years. No, it's crazy. Like Allison said, thank you for listening. Thanks for sharing your Spotify wrapped with us. Like that is such a treat in and of itself. And yeah, we're so lucky to have you as a listener and to grow this community every single year, time and time again. It's just so rewarding. It really reminds us that we love what we do. So thank you. Yeah, we just appreciate you guys, whether you write your reviews, you share with a friend, you send us your sweet messages, like it does not go unnoticed. And we just wanted to take some extra time today to say thank you for listening to our show. With all that being said, I think we can go into Peaks of the Week. Yeah. Okay. Mine was so wholesome. (laughs) While we were back in Kansas, me, my dad, and grandma went to bingo night at the VFW, which is something we always used to do when I was a kid. And if you guys have never gone to bingo, please go. Like find somewhere <laughs> that does bingo in your city because it's like a production. You know, they've got the the hopper that spins the ball out. There's like the display board up there. You've got the bingo dopper with the ink in it. So we each bought nine bingo cards. So it is like intense. You have to pay attention. And clearly in this small town, there's not a lot of outsiders that are coming into bingo. So it's like all these old people and then like me and my dad and my dad wins the first round. And so they like stop the hopper and it's like quiet and the person has to come over and like check his board. And he's like, it's a double bingo. And my dad's like, yeah, I got it. And everyone's like staring at him Mm -hmm. and they're like, yeah, you have a double bingo. And he was like, yeah, like I swear. And then he did. And the next round, I was like, oh my God, these people are vultures. It was (laughs) a type of bingo where they didn't use the N column and the caller read a ball with the N on it. And everyone was like, we're not doing ends this round. So I was like, oh my God, God. these people are like really showing up for bingo. They're paying attention. Like clearly they look forward to it. So the next round, I had a bingo and I was like too scared. I was like, well, what if I don't have one? And and my dad was like, say it, yell it. And I was like, I literally can't. I'm I'm scared. (laughs) People are scary. <laughs> so then my dad yells it for me and the lady comes over and she was like, you had to say it on the last one. Like apparently if they say like 075 and that's the one you go to bingo on. And then if they say B5, 
if you didn't say it before they said B5, no bingo. So then everyone was like staring at me and they were like, it's not a good bingo. (laughs) He like restarted and I was like, this is why I didn't say anything. But you win. At this one, it was $30 per round. So I kind of messed up. Yeah. And the blackout, the last one, $200. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, stakes are high. So that's why these people were like on it. (laughs) But it definitely was just so nostalgic of my childhood. And even when I worked at Barry's, the bar and nightclub that I used to manage, I like brought bingo to that bar (laughs) and they still play it to this day. Like we had bingo night there and I like did it all right, all inspired by my grandma's hometown bingo night. And yeah, it was fun. And my grandma won and her friend won. So our whole t- everyone won at our table. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it was pretty cute. That's a lovely peak. How about you? I'd say my peak of the week is just Thanksgiving weekend. I had a great time with my family and Connor's family and just, yeah, good food, good people. Just left the weekend on a high. You left the weekend with a warm, cozy hug. Yes, absolutely. Love that. Hannah said, got elected as vice president of risk management for my sorority. Congratulations as two fellow sorority gals. We love that for you. Jillian said, landed a collaboration I've been manifesting. Congratulations. Yay. Jillian's killing it. Go follow her. She's been an OG podcast listener and has a really fun life and is traveling and living her best life. Yeah, she shares so many good travel tips. It's at G-I-L-L-I-A-N-S-K-A-R. Paige said, got my first puppy. She's perfect. Oh, so cute. And Mackenzie said, experienced my first snow living in Washington as a California native, and it was magical. I am so glad that that was magical for you, and I hope that it doesn't wear off. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, as girls who've had snow practically their whole lives. Wish that for you as well. Yeah. All right. And getting into today's episode, we're going to be talking all things sober curiosity. I connected with Jordan Granger on TikTok, like honestly, maybe over a year ago. Her and I were both sharing a lot of content around our personal sober curious journeys and just how we saw alcohol like in society. And she kind of devoted like her whole page for a while to really informative, awesome content about this. So I felt like her and I just resonated with each other on a lot of levels. And then I actually went on her podcast and it's just nice to have someone who is along that same path and has been reevaluating their relationship with alcohol in their own lives. So And with dry January right around the corner, Kara and I thought this would be a really good time to just open up the conversation around a sober, curious lifestyle. Like in our first two, our honest conversation about drinking episodes, I felt like we were just kind of talking about the effects of alcohol and then like what an actual sober life might be like. But I'm hoping that Jordan can provide us a lot of insight about what a healthy relationship with alcohol can look like where maybe you're not fully sober, but you're just trying to be more mindful about your consumption. She is such an angel. She is really well-versed on this topic and I'm really excited to have her on today. Without further ado, here is Jordan Granger. Hi, I'm Jordan. I, for this, I mean, I have a boring day job, but my fun things that are relevant for this, I do have my own podcast, Still No Plan. And I also am a sober curious content creator on TikTok. So definitely go check those out. Um, It's Jordan Granger on TikTok. If you're interested in anything I'm talking about here, I probably talk about it 10 times over on TikTok. 
And yeah, I'm 24. I went to USC, which if you guys don't know, is a giant party school. And I was a sorority girl. I was like very in that culture. So I was drinking a lot. And then I graduated and just kind of was like, I need to take a step back. And I took a break from drinking. And that's how I ended up, you know, making the content and ended up here today. I live in Seattle, which is super fun. It's like coming into the rainy season, which is a little bit tough, but we just had snow yesterday. It was so cute. I live with my two dogs and my boyfriend and yeah. Sounds like a beautiful life. <laughs> it's a good, I have a cozy little life. <laughs> yeah. What is your quote unquote boring day job? Oh, my boring day job is I, well, I guess it's not that boring, but I do marketing for Xbox. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I don't know, it's just like a corporate job, but it's fun. I love Xbox. I do sustainability marketing for them. Um, it's a cool job. I'm pretty lucky, but it is a boring corporate day job. <laughs> we just recorded our December Patreon, which was about when you're first starting your journey as a small business owner or a content creator to not quit your day job too mm -hmm. soon. Would you want to touch on that really fast? Like as your socials have been growing and you've launched your podcast, are you kind of in that in-between space? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think for me, content creation is exhausting and a little bit stressful in like different ways. And I feel like if I were to leave and do something entirely on my own, content creation would always be a side gig. Like, and so I think that's how I've been thinking about it in the very beginning when I was like getting tons of like I was blowing up kind of because I had like a couple viral videos. I was like, what if like maybe this could be and then you get a couple viral videos, you get a bunch of hate, you realize that like this is a constant effort. I'm like the face of this brand and business that I'm putting out there. Like I have to be on all the time that I just eventually kind of realized like I love it. I love doing it, but I love doing it at my own pace and it not being like when I made it, when I put too much pressure on it to be everything that I needed it to be, it, it ruins the fun of it, the entire job. So I like forever content creation will be a side hustle for me. I would love to build, you know, my own little brand and like probably leave for that. But for now, like my cushy day job is keeping me going and all of this stuff is just fun side stuff that makes me happy. Yeah, it gets to be more of a hobby and a creative outlet as opposed to like, oh, if this video doesn't do well or if this podcast episode doesn't take off, how am I going to pay rent? Yeah, exactly. It puts all the pressure on the thing that's fun and then it turns into your boring day job. <laughs> and so it's nice to be able to like have both and switch back and forth and like get into different headspaces at different times. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit of background about that. I know listeners are probably curious. I know I was curious, but let's take it back to college and your first experiences with alcohol. Maybe that's even high school. Do you have any like relevant stories of kind of, yeah, your relationship with alcohol and what that time of your life was like for you? Yeah. So my relationship with alcohol goes way back. <laughs> um, I actually went to high school in Hawaii and it is a really cool, beautiful place, but it very much so has small town vibes. Um, you're hanging out with just the kids, which can be like a six-year age gap. And so you're always kind of with older people, with younger people, it's just very much so like a mix of different people. And so because of that, I would think I was exposed to like drinking much younger than some people are. I had like my first drink. I was like 14. Um, and 
I was like a freshman, I think. Or no, I guess I was 13. I was going into freshman year. And so that was like very young. I looking back, I'm like, that was stupid. I was literally a child. But at the same time, like who, whatever, I was dealing with whatever I was at the time. And it wasn't like I was like binge drinking or drinking frequently. I like had a sip of vodka out of someone's water bottle at like a beach party one day and then like didn't think about or look at alcohol for like another year. So historically, like that was my first experience. But I would say throughout high school, it wasn't anything crazier than like what my friends or other people our age kind of say their high school experiences were. There were like some house parties that we would drink at. I just kind of like I was on a soccer team and that was super busy. And so there was only like a few times a year that I could actually make any of the social gatherings where there was alcohol. So I was really only drinking like a couple times a year. So college was where it really became like a big thing for me. And I think in college, the culture around drinking was not conducive to like me being prone to impulsive behavior and just a lot of other things that kind of ended up spiraling me out of control. At USC, like it was very much like blackout or backout culture of like you're doing a game day and you're booting and rallying and going out that night. And like it's 13, 14 hour days of drinking and it's waking up hungover and doing it all over again the next day. And it's like doing as much as you can whenever you're going. And so me as someone who is like, I have ADHD and I'm learning so much more about like dopamine chasing and all of this stuff. But someone who is like always looking for stimulation and energy and like social interaction and all of these things, I was finding that through this like binge drinking culture. So it it just was like a match made in hell and ended up, you know, going crazy. I would say there wasn't necessarily like a rock bottom that I hit. It just kind of eventually led itself to like... I am not happy and this is not adding anything into my life. And I can tell that it's subtracting from like a lot of different places that I don't, I don't need this anymore. It's kind of what it came down to. Um, And so I think like it just, I don't know. I just kind of got to a point where I was like, this is it. I need a break. So was that while you were still in college or after you graduated? By senior year, I was really burnt out and I didn't really know what my feelings of like burnt out were being attributed to. It was so many different things. Looking back, I think it was probably the drinking constant stimulation social culture that I was just like a part of all the time. So really, it happened like the year after college. I was a COVID graduate. So I was 2020 grad. (laughs) Like the first class we like went on spring break and they were like, hey, don't come back. (laughs) So, So we just had this weird like it was like not a hard stop. It wasn't like, oh, you're in college and now you're out of college. It was like, you're still in college in COVID and then you're out of college, but it's the same thing that you were in before. So there was a probably a year of me trying to pretend like I was still in college because I was like mourning the loss of college. And then I eventually after that year, I was like, okay, I'm in a new phase of life. I need to like change my behaviors before it gets out of control or like I don't know, just many different things, which we can get into, but it it definitely just kind of, it's almost like I just burnt out of it eventually. Mm -hmm. And really quick, which college did you go to? University of Southern California in Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just wanted to shout out just in case we have some listeners, alumni. Yes. Yes. Bye on if you do. (laughs) (laughs) Really quick. I think we should talk about how you said you weren't being any worse than like your friends or what anyone else was, because I think that's a really important part of our drinking culture is like, it's hard to recognize a problem when your problem looks like everyone else's problem. And that's how it was for me too. Like in high school, all my friends were going to parties every weekend. People were blacking out all the time in college 
college, same stuff. People are taking polls at 8 a.m. on a game day. People are puking in the corner. People pass out. They get up. They rally. And that's like cool and celebrated. And it's like not looked at as like super concerning. And so when no one's looking at anyone with concern, it's hard to like be introspective to yourself and be like, wow, maybe I do have a problem here. When you look around and everyone else is doing the same thing. Obviously not everyone else. But like you said, if you went to a big party school, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of the culture. So do you kind of want to talk about that too of how it was harder to recognize? So I, yes, totally. I think that's a huge, and like a lot of why I started posting all of the time on TikTok was because I was like, I know that there's someone out there like me who is like, there's got to be something other than this. Like there has to be some solution that isn't you need to go to rehab because that's not what I was feeling. I didn't feel like it was that bad or like I was at that point in by any means. But also that isn't just like, no, this is just how it is. Like you're you're in your 20s, have fun, be young, whatever. And when I looked around, I was definitely like one of the biggest partiers of my friend group. Like I was partying a lot, but also there was a bunch of other people that looked like me. And so I think that's the biggest thing. Like it, like you said, you can look around and find so many examples of like, well, all of these other people are doing it. And even on my friend group who were like, you know, not maybe not partying as much as me. They were partying as frequently as me. Like they maybe weren't drinking as much as me, but like sometimes they'd black out. Sometimes I'd black out. Like it, it was very, I don't know, there's d- dangerous behaviors were just overly normalized. And so it was hard to actually identify any problem. And you also in your early 20s or like high teens are just kind of in this weird space where everyone says like, well, just get it out. Like, you know, party, it's fine. You're young. Like you can quit when you're older. And it's like, that is such a weird mindset to me. But that really is something, especially even when I started telling people like, oh yeah, I'm cutting back on drinking. They're like, but you're 24. Like do that when you're married and it's ruining your marriage. It's like, maybe I want to do it before it ruins my marriage. Yeah. (laughs) So it is a weird, like having peers that are acting the same way and this age that we're in makes it a lot harder to change and identify the problem that is there. Well, I think that's also what's really cool about creators like you and Allison and people that are kind of a part of the sober curious movement is that it is proving that you don't need to have a quote unquote problem when you are thinking about being sober. Because I feel like that's what we all thought of sober was like, oh, you're sober. Like, what problems do you have? Like, oh, are you abusing alcohol? It's like, no, you're right. It's just we've totally normalized pretty much very dangerous activities and behaviors. And I don't know, it's just showing another way of doing life that's also just as rewarding and as fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big thing is like the the sobriety versus non-sober like spectrum. Sobriety is scary. The way that people frame it is intimidating. Like you frame it as like, oh, you're like a homeless person under a bridge who like needs to clean up or they're going to ruin their life. And there are a million things about sobriety that are beautiful and amazing and beneficial that are not withholding. Like, I think that's one of the biggest things I realized. I'm sure Allison realized once you make the choice, making the choice is the scariest part. And then you get through it and you're like, oh my God, this is like actually fun. And I have all this energy and this happiness that I didn't have before, whatever it is. So that's something I try and like fight back on a lot is like sobriety isn't scary. And the way that we talk about it now, it feels very scary. Yeah, I definitely think we should hone in on the stigmas around it that like Kara just said, if someone is sober, it's because they had to get sober. It's almost like people don't realize that people want to get sober just for their own well-being. You know, the court didn't make them get sober. They didn't cheat on their husband. They didn't get fired from their job because I found when I first started telling people, like you said, yeah, I'm cutting back 
on drinking, it's always like, why? What happened? Oh, you definitely had like major problems. Like people really don't understand that you can want to be sober, that it can actually be better. Mm -hmm. Did you face a lot of that, like even in commentary or real life conversations? Yes, I would say that there was like, um, I have always been very vocal about my mental health. And so my core friend group was very aware, like my hangovers, which actually this is a big part of why I ended up getting burnt out is like my hangovers would eventually last like four to five days of mental recovery. (laughs) And I would literally, if I had a big night out, it would take me almost an entire week to not have crippling anxiety and like crippling depression. And so that I think like that's harder for people to wrap their head around than like external issues. Like if I was hurting other people or hurting myself like physically, um, but my close friend group, especially because I lived with all of them in college, saw it and knew how much it impacted me. So a lot of them were very supportive. But yeah, like the broader groups of people that I would talk to always kind of had like a hint of criticism and they're, they're like hearing that I'm cutting back and they're either criticizing again, like I'm too young and it seems like stupid or saying stuff like, oh, I can't wait until you're back to normal. Um, like talking about drinking again. And so there was a lot of just different weird responses that I was getting that I was like, this is not like, I'm choosing to do this for the betterment of myself. And you're not seeing that you're seeing this as like, oh, this is a phase and you're going to get over it. And so I don't know. Yes, absolutely. There's so much stigma. I think in our age group, it's really hard to like be the change maker. <laughs> mm-hmm. As a retail shop owner, I know how important it is to have a good, reliable POS system. That's why I'm so excited about our sponsor today, Shopify. Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source. Track everything across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers both inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash already friends. That is all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash already friends to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash already friends. Thank you again to Shopify for sponsoring the already friends podcast. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate. Simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Mm. We also want to talk about how one of the sigmas is that, like, you're boring now. Kind of how you said, Mm. like, oh, you're 24, like, you can stop later. Yeah. It's almost like if you're drinking, that equals you're fun. People like to be around you. You're a cool person. And if you're not drinking, it's like, oh, they're just boring. Yes. And I think this was one of the biggest challenges I had to overcome in my own like voice in my head, because part of the reason I became such a party girl was because it gave me value. Like I felt valued for so many years as being the one who would always say yes to going out. And so I was always invited and I was always a fun date. So I was always like getting asked to invites. And so I think that eventually just trained my brain to be like, this is like one of your value propositions as a human being is like, you will rally, you will drink a lot, you'll be so fun. And so in addition to like the external pressure that people put on you, which they absolutely do, I had that voice in my own head, which was the hardest part to get over. Like I had to refine my personal value and reestablish like, no, people want me here because like they love me. And it's not about the fact that I'm going to like take the most tequila shots. <laughs> like nobody cares. And I remember... The first time I like went out with one of my friends and I was so nervous and it was one of my best friends who I've literally known her since I was like 10 and we have spent many sober hours together, but I was just nervous going out in the context of drinking and being a sober person. And I remember like just being so stressed about it, going out and it was a super fun night, but then I was overthinking it and everything like spinning out afterwards. And she texted me later and was like, hey, I just want to let you know, like I had so much fun with Jordan, with Sober Jordan, like that was incredible. And it was just like the sweetest little thing, but it was a really good reminder. And I literally held on to that the entire time, like throughout my thing, like the people that love and value me will care, like will love and value the time with me, regardless of whether I'm drinking or not. So yeah, it was, that is, I would say the biggest challenge of being like, I'm not boring. I still have value as a sober person, but eventually you realize like one, who your true people are and your true people will never think that about you and they'll never think you're boring. And two, you'll kind of reconfigure your life in a way that you'll realize there's like way more activities that are way more fulfilling than like just being fun out at a bar. And so that was like the other half of it was I just don't go out that much. Like maybe I am more boring to some people, but like I very much enjoy my life probably more than I did before. (laughs) And so it's a weird shift, but like eventually you get there and I feel all the better for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Love hearing all that. Going back to when you were in college and you were in that senior year, reevaluating your relationship with alcohol phase. What did that look like? Did you go fully sober? Were you sober curious? How long did that last? And even if you want to explain to our listeners, like what is your definition of what your relationship is with alcohol now? December of my senior year, I went to a party and like got way too drunk. And I kind of had like a, oh my God, I need a break. And I took a six week break from drinking. And I was like, okay, I loved it. I felt great. But I was like, still, it was going to be my senior spring. I wanted to take advantage of that. I didn't want to miss out on anything. So like, I kind of just fell back into the same patterns that I had before. Then again, COVID shit happened. Um, Lots of drinking things related to COVID, just like being home all the time, having no responsibilities, like wine all the time. Why not? (laughs) So eventually I was like, okay, this needs to change. And I would say I started thinking that like probably six months before I did anything about it. Like I started being like, this needs to come to an end. 
I'm again, I was scared of if I said out loud, I'm having problems related to alcohol that everyone and their mom was going to push me and be like, you have to go to rehab. And I was like, that's not the thing. And it was again, it's like a battle that I was having in my own head. And so it took me a while to be like, no, there's other options. And actually, I found Ruby Warrington's book, Sober Curious, which I had heard about the movement for a while, but I didn't really like know all of the detailing behind it. And so probably about four or five months into me being like, something has to change. This is like December of 2021. I read Sober Curious and it was funny because I actually started reading it in early December and then I was like, oh my God, this is way too accurate and it's going to convince me to quit drinking and Christmas is coming. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to pause and finish it after (laughs) Christmas. And because I was like, the holidays are like such cute drinking time. I don't know. And I was scared again. (laughs) And so I paused and I read it and then I didn't tell anyone, like including my boyfriend who was so supportive of me being done drinking. And Allison, we had Allison on our podcast, Still No Plan. And I remember you talking about like your boyfriend was so supportive of your journey and it was super helpful for you. And like your relationship with him was a huge kind of Kickstarter for you wanting to reevaluate and like restabilize your life. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, yeah, same. My boyfriend was would have been so supportive, but I was like, if I'm making this decision, it has to be for me and me only. So I refused to tell him. And then I was like, hey, by the way, I'm starting a hundred days of no drinking today, like starting right now. <laughs> and that's how I told him. And so on January 1, I did 100 days of no drinking, which is the second part of Ruby Warrington's Sober Curious book. She has like a Sober Curious workbook that's 100 days. So I did that. And it was really wonderful. And I, at the end of the 100 days, was I timed it perfectly. My sister's bachelorette party, she was getting married that year. And so I was like, I want to be able to have the option to drink if, if I want to. And I started getting to the end of my 100 days and my sister's bachelorette party was approaching and I had just done a lot of self-work throughout the 100 days and I realized that I was an emotional drinker and I was drinking for the wrong reasons and I wasn't far enough along in my emotional healing journey to want to introduce alcohol back into my life. So I like was, again, so nervous, the little voice in your head that says you're going to be less valued if you aren't drinking. Texted my sister this like long ass text being like, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be drinking at the bachelorette party. Like I really don't feel ready to bring it back into my life. And I just like, and I was so scared that she was gonna be like, I hate you. You're not my maid of honor anymore. (laughs) Again, just like the stupid voice in your head. And she was like, oh my God, that's amazing. So proud of you. Like no worries at all. And it was totally fine. And the bachelorette party was wine tasting. And I would just take, like we went to all these nice wineries. So I'd sip the wine and then I would dump the rest of my glass in everyone's like glasses. And so I was actually everyone's favorite because they were getting the rest of my wine. And then I ended up going another 100 days, which was essentially six months total. My sister's wedding was on June 4th. And by that time, I was like, okay, I'm I'm ready to like have some drinks. I'll have some drinks at the wedding. I have very strict like guidelines on what I allow, I guess, for myself. Um, One of the main things, as I mentioned, like I figured out I was drinking for all the wrong reasons, which was curing my anxiety getting rid of bad feelings. And I wanted to, if I was having drinks, drinking to elevate good feelings. And so during the entire morning of my sister's wedding, when the bridesmaids were having champagne, I was a maid of honor. I was stressed out. And I was like, even if I'm not drinking to calm this anxiety, if I have a glass of champagne, I am retraining my body that 
champagne is something that can bring down my anxiety. And so I was very adamant to not have anything at my sister's wedding until I felt like, okay, I'm like leaning into the joy and happiness and everything of this celebration instead of like, I'm stressed out and overwhelmed because there's so much going on, which like you feel both of those feelings lots at weddings. Um, And so that was like kind of my guidelines there. And then I ended up being like, okay, that was super fun. I'm like glad I didn't miss out on this opportunity with my sister. But I don't feel like I need to bring alcohol back into my life the way that it was. Ended up taking like another three-month break after that just because I wasn't really... I'm used to not drinking now, so it's like not something that I'm going out of my way to do. Um, And then I had a couple drinks this over this past week at Thanksgiving with like family and friends in town because again, it was like one of those situations where I could look at the setting I was in and the people I was with and be like, this is me wanting to elevate happy, good feelings and and lean into connections and these things. Not me, one, I'm not in a situation where I'm in a spiral out of control and two, I'm not leaning into like negative feelings or trying to hide negative feelings. So I fully identify as like sober curious, I think is the term. I feel like sober curious is just a good blanket term for like exploring what it means. I'm definitely drinking very infrequently. And when I do drink, like on those occasions, I have like maybe two in a day. And so it's way different than it was before. But I'm I'm still, I'm kind of in this new, the new phase that I'm in is like figuring out if I want to add it back and how I do want to add it back. And still a part of the sober curious journey. So I still call myself that. That was all so amazing. I want to take it back to when you said you went to the bar with your friend and it was one of the first times that you went out sober. And she said, I loved that sober version of you. When you were starting to integrate back into going to the bar, being at an event where people would have typically thought that you would have had a drink. Do you have any advice for our listeners who bet a lot of people send in stuff like, I'm trying to cut back and evaluate my relationship, but like, I don't know what to say to people like when they're asking. Do you have advice for anyone of like how they can communicate where they're at when they don't know where they're at? Yes. It's so hard. Number one, um, I and I have said this a couple of times on my TikTok, and I think this is like the lamest, but like most helpful thing that I do now is I literally have like rehearsed one-liners for depending on who the person is. So it's like, if it's like someone who I don't care to give them any information, I'll just be like, oh no, I'm not drinking. Or like, if it's one of my friends, I'll be like, oh yeah, like I don't feel like drinking tonight, but, or like I'm still on this sober curious journey. Like I tier the amount of information I'm going to get based on who it is. I would say the best thing that has worked for me is, oh, no, I'm not drinking tonight. I think that is pretty like usually people won't push you on that. If they do, you can just say, oh, it's for my mental health or like whatever reasoning you want to have. You can lie like you don't know anyone anything. So I think it's just getting crisp on like, okay, before I'm in the situation, what do I want people to know? And like, who do I want to know what? And how can I like prepare for that situation? Because you're going to get weird questions and you're going to get, how's it going? And like, I had someone at a party the other day, literally like scream across the party. And they were like, Jordan, I want to talk to you about your sobriety. And I was just like, oh my God, this is like, like, and like everyone like looked over at me because he like yelled this across the party. And so everything's going to happen. And there's like weird shit that's going to happen. You just kind of have to have like, a prepared answer so that you don't feel uncomfortable and put on the spot. Um, Yeah, that's probably my best advice. Do you ever use not saying anything as a strategy or do you find that that's not helpful? 
Um, I mean, totally. I think if someone like directly asks you, it's hard. That's why I, that's why I like the like I'm not drinking tonight because you're giving very little it's information. Not making promises yeah. about the future. Yeah, exactly. You could drink tomorrow. And so that's a big one. Or like if you're having a I don't know. It's harder when you're like maybe having a drink, but you're like not gonna be taking shots like you used to. Like now I'm like, oh no, I don't take shots when I if I'm going out and I'm like have a glass of wine in my hand, because that's the only glass of wine I'm gonna have for the night. But then someone's like, take tequila shots with us. I just say, Oh no, I don't do that. So it's pretty hard in the beginning when you're finding you're you are trying to understand where your boundaries are because it's you like you don't even know in your head how are you gonna communicate that to other people. But I think like you can be as vague as you want and you literally don't owe anyone any explanation for anything. And like the first couple of times, it's probably gonna be a little uncomfortable, but eventually you're just gonna get used to having the conversation. And like, also I'm, I was so insecure about my sobriety in the beginning of the journey. Now I don't care about it at all. Like I'm not, I'm very confident in it. And so that also changes over time. Those are great tips, I think. A lot of people deal with social anxiety and just any walk of life. And I feel like this could be a very scary one to navigate. So I think practicing those one-liners is a really great tip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Going back to being sober, being super curious and how it's kind of altered your life. How has it altered your friendships or relationships? I know you told the story of it's nice when those people that you care about are embracing it. Have you had any negative feedback from this journey? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think some of the, it's more subtle than like, I hate that you're not drinking, you know, but they're I've had a lot of friends be like, I can't wait for this 100 days to be over when I was in that journey. Um, And I think that's something I'm nervous as I start having a drink here and there. Like I was talking to someone a while ago about it and she's like, she's completely sober. And she was like, part of the reason is because I didn't know how to explain to people like how I picked the value of their time. Like if I was like, oh, I really value time with my sister. So like I'll have a glass of wine with her because it's like really important to me. But like, I don't really care about spending time with you because like, which again, I think these are cultural issues that we over like put over importance on alcohol, but it's true. So it's definitely weird, but um. With my friend. Let me pause you real quick. Because what you're saying is like, for her, it was almost easier to be fully sober because she's just like, it's a blanket statement. Like, I'm not going to drink under any context. And now you're navigating these new waters where you're like, well, there are some some times where I am going to drink and not to offend the person. Yeah, exactly. Oh, your birthday wasn't the reason I wanted to. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Like, Mm. how do you pick between friends' birthdays? and, And like, a lot of it is literally, for me, is just how I'm feeling. Like, it really is. I think I I'm most of the time not feeling up for drinking knowing that like if I'm having a remotely off day with my mental health I don't want to add alcohol to the mix and I'm often having off days with my mental health so but totally that's what it is it's like people can be like oh you didn't think my birthday was special enough to like pop champagne with us and then I would say in general like it's more of a growing distance between friends that is like the negative response I'm getting. Um, I think it's mutual a lot of the times. It's not in an animosity sort of way. It's just that our lives look very different than they looked a year ago. Like I said, my I'm my activities that I do are completely different now than they were a year ago. And so when like those people that were always I was always going out and drinking with, they're still always going out and drinking, which is totally fine. But like I'm not there and they're still filling their time with those activities. So there isn't really any overlap time where like we can spend time together. 
obviously there's like key friendships that I make sure to make that time for and they do the same for me. But there are definitely friends that I'm like, wow, I really love this human. And it's literally nothing personal at all. It's just that our lives don't line up in the same way. And we have different values right now. And, you know, like when I see them, it's great, but it's not as much as it used to be. And I think that's kind of the the hardest thing to deal with that I've had to deal with. Would you want to talk a little bit about what your life does look like now? Uh, Some of those activities that you said you aren't doing anymore would be like, what, going to the bars and the clubs? Yeah. I mean, I was going out or like drinking, you know, having wine nights, whatever it was, probably like two, three nights a week. I think it was like not big nights all the time, but I mean, that takes up all your time. So my life now, well, this what I say is my biggest benefit for not drinking and it ties into this is that I literally feel like the time in my week doubled. I feel like I have twice as much time to do things. And so all of a sudden when I quit drinking, I was like, I have all of this energy and all of this time. What am I supposed to do with this? And that's where the podcast idea came from. My friend and I were like, let's do this. Like we have time. That's why I started creating content. Like, again, I just like had time to do productive things. I work out a lot more. So I'm usually like going to morning workout classes. I'm a morning person all of a sudden. So like my mornings are very sacred and I usually like snuggle up and watch a show with my boyfriend and my dogs at night. Um, So my weeks are just a lot more stable and consistent and like peaceful, which is great. I love them. Um, There's definitely like, especially in the beginning, I felt a little bit of withdrawals. Like on Friday night, I was like, I want to be like dancing and, and you can do that. Like people totally go out sober. I think eventually I was just like, I don't really need to do this anymore. I'm really enjoying my like peaceful days and mornings and the time I'm spending being productive, working on side hustles and not being hung over at work. So I'm doing my job a lot better. Like I think there's just my weeks are like by no means perfect, but they're much more consistent and stable now. Yeah. Any other benefits that you've gotten like mindset? I know that's something you mentioned in mental health or just overall physical wellness that you want to shout. Yeah. So mental health is a huge one. I would say like, I always tell people quitting drinking is not going to cure your depression, but drinking is not helping your depression. Same with anxiety. And in my case, actually quitting drinking did cure my anxiety because all of my anxiety was drinking related, it turns out. And so I'm still on antidepressants, but like I my mental health is so much more manageable than it ever has been. Like my antidepressants are working. I'm actually feeling better. And that was something I hadn't really felt in years. So mental health, like if you have anything mental health related, adding alcohol to the mix is going to make it worse. It's going to make it harder to treat, harder to pinpoint for your psychiatrist. Like definitely recommend taking a break if you're having mental health issues. Physical health. Yes, I have so many like random ones. Um, I mean... I haven't seen like huge weight loss or anything like that, but I also kind of became like a little treat lady after. And I was like, oh, now that I'm not having wine, I can like have dessert all the time. (laughs) So I don't think there's been much of a calorie deficit, but my like skin cleared up my hair. This is the weirdest one that I noticed the other day. And I was like, whoa, my nails and hair are like so much stronger. And so, and I was looking it up and apparently that's like a really common, huge thing. So my nails were like flaky paper thin. I could never grow them out or anything. And now they're like totally healthy and normal. Um, And I really think it was just because of the alcohol. My energy levels are like compared to before through the roof. That's a huge one. 
And I think the biggest thing is that it like drinking because of the time thing, because of the energy, the inconsistency has little feelers on every aspect of your life. So I'm able to maintain so many routines just much better. Like I can have my morning skincare routine and my night skincare routine. So I'm not sleeping in my makeup. So I'm not having random breakouts throughout the month. Like I am consistently working out because I'm not hungover and quitting on yoga in the morning. And like I'm eating good meals 99% of the time and I'm not getting drunk and ordering drunchies and like there's just all these little places that are getting improved because I have this level of consistency that I did not have or feel before so obviously all of those like have wonderful effects on your your looks and physical health that is a good way to put that it does have little feelers in so many areas I feel like when I was drinking I had so many goals and so many things I wanted to accomplish but I was so overwhelmed by all of them like how am I going to do this and this and this and like you said the time once I stopped drinking, I was like, there are so many hours in a week. It is shocking how much can get done when you're not drinking. It's almost like with alcohol, you're like pulling sandbags with you to try to get everything done. And then when you stop drinking, you just cut those off and you're like, whoa. I'm going to make the yoga class. I can cook the food. I'm like, I'm going to make it to my job. Yeah. I think like same to the mental health thing. I, another thing I've said on some other podcasts and stuff is like, I have ADHD and I have depression and like maintaining routines is already hard enough. I don't need to be actively participating in something that's making it worse. (laughs) And so a lot of people are like, oh, how has your drinking impacted your ADHD? And like, there's because there's like dopamine related things with both of them. And for me, it's like, I mean, it was so hard for me to maintain a routine. It still is. I still have ADHD. But like you said, I don't have the sandbags that are also weighing me down as I'm like struggling towards building these routines. So it really has improved like all areas of my life. (laughs) Did you say when you did your first six weeks sober that it was during dry January? Yes. Okay. So with January being right around the corner, if anyone was thinking about doing dry January, what advice do you have for them? To like read and learn in the time. I think especially in the beginning, it really helps you stay motivated on like, oh no, this has huge benefits. I would recommend Sober Curious. Obviously I freaking love it, but it it is of the books I've read kind of the least like pushing you to be continually sober. It really just like talks about um, you know, the options you have. I think another good one is This Naked Mind that really talks about the actual impact on like your brain and again, doesn't really push you towards like, you have to be sober. You just learn about how alcohol is impacting your life in all these different ways. And then the other advice, like I would say, try out fun drinks and find something that like fills the space of alcohol. Don't just be like, oh, I'm I'm cutting out alcohol and like nothing's going to fill. That's like, now I'm going to have water every night. It's like, okay, that's a bummer. Like you're going to double feel the loss in your life if you're just like not having anything fun. So I love non-alcoholic beers. Um, Athletic Brewing is like a really great brand. Very consistent. They're so good. They're so good. My boyfriend like totally drinks and he'll have them on work nights and stuff when he doesn't want to have a beer, but he like wants to have a beer. And so I I love Athletic Brewing. I love kombucha in a wine glass. It really has like the wine feel. I saw someone commented on one of my TikToks that they do tart cherry juice in a wine glass, which I love because tart cherry juice is really good for you but it is kind of like bitter and so it kind of has that wine feel and like there's a million cool mocktail brands and cool things you can do so I would definitely lean into that and then like journaling and just taking note of how you feel throughout the process I think will be really helpful especially if you want it to have like a lasting impact rather than just doing 30 days and then like waiting until next January like 
take the 30 days as a time to understand how alcohol is in your life, how it's impacting you and how you want that to change moving forward. That's really great. I think like Allison said, with the new year, a lot of people do reevaluate their relationship with alcohol and those tips will be super helpful to anyone who's actually looking to continue that past like what you said, those 30 days. Are there any other stories or tidbits you want to share before we ask you our final question? Ooh, for anyone that's interested, I would say like my biggest, I don't know, like tip, I guess, or like nudge is that the first thing that you can do without even changing your relationship with alcohol is like learn more about it. And I think that helped me a lot make the decision because once you start following sober curious content creators, like reading these books, kind of seeing the lifestyles that are out there that aren't just like you have to go to AA or you have to drink will really open up your eyes to like the options that you have. So just keep learning. If you're like at all interested, just like keep learning. I think that's the first thing that you can do. And it's really beneficial. Ooh, okay. I have one quick summarizing thought after you said that. Yeah, making it seem like you are gaining stuff in your life because the way society portrays becoming sober, super curious is that you're losing the alcohol, but you have to think about all the things that you're gaining and the other lifestyles and the opportunities and the time. So I think that was a great way for you to wrap up there. That's a really good point. Lots of light bulb moments for me right now. I'm like, that's a good point. (laughs) I love what you're saying. Like not just thinking about drinking when you're stressed and how it's like affecting your emotions and only if you're going to have a drink being with joy. Like, I just love everything that you've been saying. Thank you. Okay. And to you, Jordan, we have our final question. What makes a good friend? Oh my God. That's such a cute question. Um, I would say my, my definition for this has changed so much in the past year, but I think the biggest thing is that like a good friend fills your cup and it doesn't necessarily mean that they are there all the time. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are always filling your cup. It just means that more often than not, they are filling you up with light and good energy and good feelings and not like draining your cup. And I think that's been a big mind shift for me to be like, who are the people that are giving me good feelings and filling up my life with good things? And like, how can I lean into that more? And then how can I reciprocate it? So yeah, it's a great answer. That's super important. We love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. As Jordan said, she, if anything that she mentioned on today's episode, she probably has 10 videos about it on TikTok. (laughs) There is an abundance of free content on her page. Like you truly have so many good videos and not even just about your story, but like the science behind it, Mm -hmm. non-alcoholic recommendations. It is really, you've got like a whole book over there. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So shout yourself out, plug where they can find you. Yeah. So I have my TikTok. It's Jordan underscore Granger. And I post lots of sober curious stuff there. I'm going to be posting a lot for dry January with just my tips and advice. I'm also like very engaged. So if you have questions or anything, feel free to follow up over there. Like I said, I have a podcast with my best friend, Still No Plan. We had Allison on a while ago. So feel free to go check out her episode. It's a really fun one. And my Instagram is Jordan Granger. I just post about my life there. So if you're interested in just me, you can go there. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you again for coming on. This has been a very popular topic in our show. And yeah, we're happy that we could bring you on as a content creator slash person actually living the lifestyle to share all the helpful tips and advice. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. And it has been an absolute pleasure. This is wonderful. You're awesome. We will catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Artie Friends. Bye. 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 
Hey guys, thanks so much again for listening to another episode. We seriously appreciate all the love and support. And to show our appreciation, Allison's going to announce a giveaway that we have going on and she's going to tell you how you can get entered. All right. What you can win is a big PR box full of all of these awesome products. There will be something in there for everyone in order to get entered. There are two things you can do. One is to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure to send a screenshot of that to our Instagram. That way we know you left that review or you can put something up on your Instagram story, whether that's a screenshot of the podcast episode you're listening to, a quote that you resonated with and tag us so that we can make sure to see it. And then we will put you into our chart of your name and we will draw at the end of the year. As always, if you guys want to stay connected with us, you can join our Facebook group, Already Friends Podcast, Friend Squad. You can also join our Patreon page, patreon.com slash already friends. It's $5 a month for a bonus episode every single month with access to our entire backlog of bonus episodes. Guys, so many good topics there. So go check that out. And yeah, as always, thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye.